0: Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiast, and welcome to Cars. Yeah, I'm revved up and very excited to share with you today a guest calling in from uh, Oregon, Charles Freeborn. Charles Freeborn is an automotive enthusiast who loves to work with his hands and discover how things work, including a lot of wrenching on his own automobiles. He's a master woodworker who builds fine furniture. He's built guitars and a number of automotive-inspired wooden boxes, which are very cool Charles is a board member and driving instructor to the Cascade Sports Car Club and HOD. He drives a 1974 911 S Targa. My first Porsche was a 1974 911. And he has a 914 race car, which he has plans to compete in SEC, and vintage racing groups. We'll be back in a minute to share Charles' story with you. But first, a word from our valued sponsors that make Cars Yeah! possible. Sit tight. We'll be right back. Do you know the best way? to protect your special vehicle, both the inside and the outside, is with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, back when I was in high school. I've been around a long time. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking brand new. And they have manufactured premium quality exterior and interior covers here in the United States with a reputation for durability and design for a very long time. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers, and they're crafted to fit tens of thousands of patterns, and that's growing. You can choose from a dozen fabric options and accessories all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. i protected my rides with their covers for over 40 years, and you know what? You should too, and I've got a deal for you. Right now, you can get 10% off your order using a special Cars yeah! code. The code is ya 120 Use that code when you check out and you get 10% off your order. What a deal. That's at Covercraft.com. Be sure to use the code ya 120 at checkout for your 10% off. That's Covercraft.com. What do you do after running a race team for 27 years with over 100 professional wins, multiple wins at the 24-hour of Daytona, and a win at Le Mans? Well, if you're Kevin Buckler, racer and the Racers Group team owner, you create Adobe Road Winery, located in Petaluma, California, he and his team have created a winning combination with the Racing Series, four ultra-premium red wine blends that are in a class of their own. Like racing, these wines comprise of art, precision, engineering, science, and a whole lot of fun. You can choose from four blends titled Redline. Apex, Shift, and the 24. Today I'm going to tell you about Shift. This wine was awarded 93 points by Robert Parker's Wine Advocate. It is a balanced and spicy mix of dark blueberries and a cigar aroma. The unique bottle shape features a vintage-inspired, a metal-gated shifter backed with carbon fiber, and the cork. Yeah, the cork is topped with a five-speed shift knob. There's going to be some battles as to who gets to keep the cork when this bottle is done being enjoyed. The Racing Series is a killer gift for the automotive enthusiast in your life, and I've got a deal for you. If you use the code Yeah at checkout, you get a flat shipping rate of $10 on your wine order. Your wine ships promptly and arrives quickly. Use the code Yeah at checkout to get this deal. There's always a seat at the table for excellence with the Racing Series. Go to adoberoadwines.com and use the code Yeah all one word, today. Cheers. Hey, Charles, welcome to Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: I sure am, Mark, and I've got my Nomex on just in case it gets really crazy. (laughs) All
0: right, we'll try to keep it cool here today on Yeah and keep the car uh, between the guardrails. Before I jump into some questions, though, what's one thing that most people don't know about you, Charles?
1: Well, uh, back um, a few years ago now, um, I was a fairly competitive open water rower, wow. which means I took, took one of those really skinny little rowing shells, uh, but out into big water. I would row in the Pacific Ocean. <clears throat> I've been under the Golden Gate Bridge in a boat that's only 14 inches wide, and you're pretty much sitting on the water line.
0: Oh, my gosh. Water can get pretty rough underneath the Golden Gate
1: Bridge. It can indeed. And uh, interestingly, a lot of that uh, spills over into driving because a lot of the habits are very same. There's very similar with uh, needing to feel the platform and have a very gentle touch on the steering wheel or on the oars, as it were. Uh-huh. And so uh, there is a fair amount of crossover between those two disciplines.
0: Oh, I would have never thought, but I find it fascinating. You know, that's rowing is one of the things I've always wanted to get into when I moved up here 26 years ago. To Gig Harbor, Washington. We have a beautiful harbor and the sound, of course. And I've always wanted to do it. I've done some of it, but I've never taken the plunge and bought one. Maybe I should consult with you about that and, and get out there and enjoy some time on the water. But I never thought of that relationship to racing cars and driving cars. That is fascinating. Indeed. Well, listen, as we continue on your journey, I want you to start with a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and the success that you've seen. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning or the oars pulling here on cars. Yeah. So, Charles, take the wheel.
1: Well, I'm, I'm a, a real fan of parables and quotes. So, I've got many, and okay. there's many of them that I've lived by and with over my life that have served me well. But a couple that come to mind uh, the first one would come from Thomas Edison. And uh, his quote was, success is 10% inspiration, 90% perspiration. And another would be from the English uh, rock band Squeeze. And it goes, you've got to throw the stone if you want the pool to ripple. (laughs) Those are from two very different extremes. They are indeed, but again, you can see that there is a fair amount of crossover. They they both have a similar aspect, which is you just have to stay curious and um and put your put your nose to the grindstone and get to work.
0: Yeah, I love it. Those are great. I love both those quotes, but they both have a lot of relevance uh even today. Well, let's talk more about your business, charlesfreeborn.com. You reached out to me and you have a very interesting business. I love woodworking. I've never done it. I've ne- I I wouldn't even know where to start, but it's one of those things I've always wanted to try, like rowing or some type of a skill on the water, if you will. Um, I would love for you to share more about what you do and the fact I know you're a car guy. That's why we have you on the show. Some people are going, wait, a fine woodworker on cars, Show? Yeah, what does that have to do with cars? Well, you've got a passion for cars. You're going to be vintage racing here soon. You and I share that 1974 911 because that was my first Porsche way back when. I've had a lot of 911s, but that's the one that I saved and saved and saved and finally got and was my daily driver. So share a lot more with us with this passion you have for cars and, of course, finally, Woodworking?
1: Well, interestingly, um, when I began back in high school days, when we had wonderful shop class in high schools, which very sadly are going away, I could have just as easily gone down the path of automotive, whether it was designing or engineering or repairing. um, And that was actually my greater passion. I didn't really do woodworking, I only spent a little bit of time in wood shop. I mostly was in metal shop and, and auto shop. And the Odd little sidebar to that is that the way that I learned that you can get away with cutting class in high school and spending time in the shop is to work on the principal's car.
0: <laughs> That's a good trick. I wish I'd known that. Where were you when I was in high school?
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that was how I got away with it. Um, and so that was where I really got my car passion. Well, initially, I got it from my dad. He was a He was an amateur racer. But then by the time I was into high school, my mother had remarried and I was on the other side of the country. And so uh, I just buried my head under the hood and learned all those skills that I still use today on all of my own vehicles. And then the woodworking thing came along a little bit later when basically I needed good paying work. And the best paying work at the time for me was in carpentry, was working for contractors. And then I just climbed that ladder. So I started just doing general carpentry. Then I moved up into cabinet making. And then then I got a workshop space and moved into fine furniture. And uh, that would just happened to be the path I chose. But um, I always, always did all of my own car work on the side. And it was always a very... Um, passionate hobby and uh, still is to this day. And then uh, later on, uh, including now, I've tried to sort of remerge those two passions. So I do some of these wooden products um, that are automotive-related. You know,
0: I've had a passion for woodworking, the craft of woodworking, and especially wooden boxes, which is really interesting. I don't know why or where that came from, but I have uh, in my home here some really beautiful wooden boxes that I purchased Typically when I'm on a vacation or a trip with my wife and we end up in these arts and crafts stores or somewhere like that and I'll see these things and I bought some, I bought them as gifts for my father when when I lost him three years ago. I found all those and brought them home so they're back in my house now with some of the little... Trinkets and jewelry and things that he had in his life, I open them and smile and think about him. But I love the craftsmanship and there's so much correlation to automotive design, manufacturing, fine things being built. You can relate that to gunsmithing as well, uh, watches as well. The hat, the craft of working with our hands. And you're right, so many kids these days didn't have or don't have that opportunity like you and I. I remember my seventh grade woodshop teacher like it was yesterday, Mr. C.C. Dixon. I grew up in California where nobody had an accent except for imported people, and C.C. Dixon had a very southern accent. And I'll never forget. Measure twice, cut once, boys. And, uh, you know, he was one of those guys that you just, you kind of stood out in your life. And I still have some of those wooden things, including a, a skateboard deck that uh, he let me make after I finished my uh, little bench that I still have and still stand on to reach the top shelf in my pantry. So I think it's fascinating. And I would encourage our listeners to to go to charlesfreeborn.com, his website. You'll see some beautiful Beautiful works of art. Charles was so kind to send me a Porsche related box for my desk trinkets here and uh I think it's fascinating what you've done is so cool. And now you want to get involved in vintage racing as well, right?
1: I do indeed. I do indeed. Just last year I bought a 914 four cylinder. Cool. And that uh I had hoped it was going to be a turnkey car, but um as race cars never are, <laughs> I uh, did get it out on track once, and, and we had some little mechanical snafus, which I've been sorting out over the winter. And as soon as our season gets started this year, I'm looking forward to getting it out there and, um, and put, putting around the track with some of the old cars and the old guys like myself.
0: Well, 914s make an awesome vintage racer, awesome track car. I had one, a 2.0, for a while. And, you know, I love that car. I never had had one before. I've had a lot of 911s. But it was such a fun car to drive, more fun than I thought it would be, and definitely got to go to some Porsche track days and take it out on the track and enjoy it a little bit. And I think what you'll find, Charles, is while it's not a super fast car, it's a wonderful car, especially in the turns and the twisties, of course. You know, maybe the 911s will pass you on the straightaway, but uh, you'll have a little distinct advantage, I think, going through the corners in that thing. I think that'll be pretty fun. All right. Now, you run at, uh, at the raceway down in Portland, Portland International <laughs> Raceway.
1: That's correct. But that's my that's my home track. That's, um, oh, just 15 minutes from where I live. But I have also, um, we are so spoiled here in the Northwest. I have, within two and a half hours, there are four racetracks, including Portland International Raceway. And the other tracks that I've run, um, some are up your way. Um, the Ridge is just a hoot. That is, Great that, track. it's- Oh, it's so much fun. And then in central Oregon is Oregon Raceway Park, mm-hmm. which is another track similar to the Ridge in that it's um, a lot more technical yep. than PIR is, a lot of blind turn-ins and a lot more elevation change. And then the last of the, the, of the, of the four is uh, Pacific Raceways, which is one of the old school tracks here in town, which oh. I have yet to drive on, but I've been there and I've toured it. And um, I'm very much looking forward to running with probably with Sovereign, which is the vintage-based group out of Seattle. And they, that's their home track, if you will.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. When I started racing vintage cars years back, I joined Sovereign. I got my racing license at, at Laguna Seca, which is another great track. But uh, I've driven all those tracks you talked about. I love in fact, Portland. That was one of the first tracks that I took my street car on to do track days with BMW Club. I had an E36 M3. Would load up all my tires in that car and drive from Gig Harbor, the two, two hour and 15 minute drive down there uh, with tires belted into the back seat and in the trunk uh so i'd swap them out for my slicks and take that car on the track i love that track it's very different than pacific raceway but uh, when you come up here to pacific raceway you'll need to call me i can meet you out there been a while since i've raced there but i love that track and you'll find it very technical lots of huge elevation changes that would really make you think differently about the way you drive compared to Portland. You're going to have some fun. And Sovereign is a great group. Uh, ran with them for many years, 12 years, uh, raced with them. Great group of people. And of course, Andy, who's the president of Sovereign now, he's been a guest on my show a couple of times here. He's with Armadillo Racing. They've got a great group of people. So you're going to have some fun.
1: Yeah. Andy's, Andy's a real, he's a wonderful man. I buy a lot of my uh, safety equipment from him. He's a terrific fellow. know him well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about challenges and failures here. I'd love for you to take us on a journey sometime in your life, in your business. Uh, tell us about a time that was a challenge for you, something you faced that you had to work your way through. But more importantly, what was that lesson learned so you could come out positive on the other end? So take us for a drive, Charles.
1: Well, the biggest challenge for me in my life um, is not automotive or business related; it's personal, and it would have been when I lost my first wife to cancer, and that was a really tough go. She she was uh, probably one of the most inspiring people I have ever ever knew at the time, um, and handled it like a trooper. And um, I was by her side the whole way. Unfortunately, we lost that battle, but it did leave me coming out of it very inspired and mostly. The lesson I learned was to seize every day. Every day is a gift. And so you have to go forward with a fresh outlook every time you get up and get out in the world. And um, so that was the inspiration that, um, that I was left with from that experience. And um, the uh, happy ending of that story is several years later. Um, I met and married um, a wonderful, wonderful woman who is my wife right now, and who is willing to put up with me with all of these <laughs> crazy journeys I take. Yeah. And uh, when we joined up, when we when we formed our team, we um, were uh, in, living in California, and we were both looking for a new adventure, a new a new place, a new start. And so we uh, found the Pacific Northwest, and here we are. Um, just loving every minute of it, and she's she's been a real trooper, and um, and as I said, she she puts up with me. <laughs> well, it's no small feat.
0: No, you know, as as car guys, if we find the right woman in our life that puts up with our passion for cars, it really is a treasure. I've done the same with Jill, my wife. We've been married for thirty five plus years, and you know she puts up with all my car shenanigans and so forth, and never bats an eye or rolls an eye. And there were many times I would come home from a racing weekend and say, we may not be going to Hawaii this year i blew up two motors uh this weekend and she'd just go okay uh but uh, you know thanks for sharing that my sincere condolences for losing a spouse and I've had several guests on the show who've lost spouses and have shared the same inspiring stories that uh, the struggle they went through with that battle was so important, but life defining and helped them realize the importance of, of every day that we get to be on this planet. And of, of course, this pandemic that we're all dealing with right now, so many people have lost loved ones and friends and so forth. And I'll tell you, it's something that I've learned having done this podcast now and having so many followers on social media, not a week goes by, I don't see somebody losing someone For some reason, and it just reminds you that cliche that every day is precious and we need to make sure that we live our life the way we want to live it and with the passion that we have. And definitely you figured out how to do that through cars. And I'm so happy you found a new partner in life that, uh, like you said, puts up with your shenanigans like my wife, Jill, puts up with mine. Thank you for sharing a really personal story with us here. Let's take a short break. Uh, We'll reconvene in a second after we thank some more of our sponsors here that make Cars Yeah! possible. and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. And don't miss my weekly podcast with Keith Martin titled Buy, Sell, Hold. It's the essence of collecting. We talk to the movers and shakers in the collector car world. Here's a couple deals I have for you just for listening here on Cars Yeah. If you use the checkout code Yeah, you'll receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription at sportscarmarket.com. That's an exclusive offer from Cars Yeah. And guess what? Here's another deal. If you'd like to get the actual magazine, use the code BSH for buy, sell, hold. That's code BSH. And you'll get $10 off your annual print subscription. That's right. $10 off. Both of these are exclusive offers here at Cars yeah for Sports Car Market Magazine. Just go to sportscarmarket.com and get your deals today. has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know. Everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. All right, we are back, and I'd love for you to share a story with us, Charles, that instigated this personal passion that you have for cars. Is there a pivotal moment when you look back in your life that you knew you indeed were going to be a car guy for life?
1: Well, that would have to be the very first car I owned, which I bought before I even had a driver's license. Wow. That was a 1964 VW Bug, just like, uh, you know, half of the people our generation, your first car is a Bug. Yep. Yep. And I bought it for $100, and the engine was $100? Blown. $100. <laughs> this would have been uh, probably about 1972 would be my guess. Yeah, um, okay. And uh, so I was in high school but didn't yet have my driver's license. And it was – the engine was – this is this is this odd thing about VWs. The engine was blown up, but it still ran. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. It, it had a piston that was in four pieces, but uh, and the top of the piston broke off and was stuck in the top of the cylinder, and the skirt was still going back and forth in there attached to the connecting rod. Oh, my so, gosh. Amazingly, the engine still ran on three cylinders. So I took that uh, car and engine into the auto shop at high school and disassembled it and put it back together. And I would have to say the pivotal moment was when I turned the key and that car started, and what that signaled to me was freedom. Yeah, because I now had my own set of wheels under me, and uh, I come from a big family. We had um, we had all of our needs covered, but any special things like cars or toys or motorcycles, I had to earn myself. And so that was my first step into that world of of um, being able to fend for myself, and uh, also simultaneously it. Gave me, I, I grew my wings at that point, and uh, suddenly I was had had my freedom in the form of a car.
0: Oh, how cool! Yeah, that's well, yeah. VW's one of my well, my second car was a VW Carmen Ghia. That was my poor man's Porsche. I called it. But we're doing this uh, show, listeners via Skype, as with many of my guests, and I'm sitting here enjoying uh, Charles' handsome face here. And Charles, you look over my shoulder where I'm pointing here. You'll see a crank. I sitting on a crankshaft. Yeah, that was uh, my first grenaded engine that came out of a 1960 Lotus Formula Junior, and I was at Steers Point had been running uh actually we had been running a few days just testing cars and so forth and took that car out for a morning run to uh, position myself on the grid and the car just stopped running and coasted to a stop and they towed me in and Louis Shefchik, who uh helped me with my race cars he's been a guest on the show here JNL fabricating he opened up the back of the car looked down and he said hey Mark you ventilated your engine and i said yeah. uh was that a bad thing? And he said, oh, yeah, that's a very bad thing. You've got three holes in your block. So, uh yeah, that's a memento to that weekend is that that little sculpture I call back there. It, it does bring a smile to my face, but I understand. Well, I always ask my guests for their first really special car. You mentioned that 64 Bug. Was that your first special car? Or is there another car that you might want to share? I think there might be.
1: Well, there were there was a string of them, um, and that would probably be the most pivotal car that I had because it began that journey of mine. Yeah. But then uh, further on, I, I then uh, sold that car I bought for a hundred dollars, probably about six months later, and as I recall, I sold it for four hundred dollars. Hey, score! Which, which <laughs> any I would like to see any of the today's financial gurus top that rate of return. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I made four hundred percent in six months. There you go. Uh, the, but then I had a string of cars. The next one, uh, I had a uh, Mustang Fastback that had had a fire in the back seat, probably an arson type thing. <laughs> I was going to say, how,
0: did, how does one burn up just the back seat? There's a hot date oh, maybe or something back there?
1: <laughs> you know, hard, hard to say. It, uh, I don't know exactly the full story, but I probably don't want to know. Yeah,
0: that probably story. not. Yeah.
1: Um, and I only owned that car briefly. I flipped that one. And then I had a 1967 Firebird that was in a front-end wreck. Um, and again, I, I put a clip on it in high school. Yeah. And uh, that was the, had the overhead Cam 6, which, as we all know, was a John DeLorean project. Oh, yeah. But uh, being young and reckless, I uh, wanted more horsepower. So I foolishly removed that engine and put in a 327 Chevy engine Ooh. and drove that car for some time. And then in between, I had an Alfa Romeo Giulia, the little convertible that had had a V8 transplanted into it. It was somebody was trying to basically make a Sunbeam Tiger out of it. Okay, Um, yeah. (laughs) And that just didn't work. I disassembled that. I ended up selling the car, the body to a fellow who was going to restore it with an alpha engine and sold the engine separately. Yeah. So those were a few of the sort of oddball projects. Like I say, I had to buy, uh, I I didn't have a lot of money to work with. So I sort of, brought home all the strays. <laughs> and, with, and that was that was uh, my education as well as my transportation.
0: Well, it sounds like it. Now, I know you've got, I mentioned earlier, 74 911S Targa. And my first Porsche, I finally had saved up enough, was a 74 uh, that somebody had restored and painted a Guards red. And it was done real nice and so forth. And that was my daily driver for a long time. But how long have you had your 74 Targa?
1: the the targa i've had uh since about 1998 so i've had that car quite a while Right. Um, it when we moved up here to Portland, it got mothballed for the better part of five years because we bought a hundred-year-old house, and so that took up all of my time and energy. Uh, but then I uh, returned to it, and I have since um, uh, completely restored all of the mechanicals in the car. So the suspension is all redone. The engine is uh, is very sound. Transmission is sound, and that's the car that I take out uh, onto the racetrack uh, and do most of my instructing type activities with. And uh, that's the odd. Here's the 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 odd side story to that is that while I was in high school, I also worked on Honda motorcycles. And interesting, I think interesting, the architecture of the air-cooled Honda engines is very similar to the architecture of a Porsche 911 engine. The way the, the way the valve train operates, it's a chain-driven overhead cam and the rocker shaft mechanism, and the way that the valve adjusters work off of those rockers is identical to a Honda 750. So when I started working on the Porsche engine, I was right at home. Obviously, the cylinder layout is different. Um, the the uh, Porsche being a boxer and the um, Hondas being in line. But architecturally, they actually share some DNA. So it was a pretty logical step for me to go into the Porsche world. And then this newest car, the 914, is a four-cylinder. So that's a Type 4, which is a glorified bus engine and so I now own for the first time in over 20 odd years a car that's got push rods and carburetors
0: <laughs> I see a trend with you Charles uh, buying old things that need love uh, right down to your hundred year old house uh, but you know what it's people like you that keep these old things going and bring new life into them so uh kudos to you applaud to you for keeping these things alive and around I can I can see your passion in your face and sense it in your words that you love to work on these old things. Well, this leads me to a very introspective question, and that is this. If you woke up tomorrow, Charles, and you were a car parked in the garage, you were actually manifest as a vehicle, what kind of car would Charles be and why?
1: Well, I would be a mutt, um, as are are so many of my projects. Um, And the other thing I've always loved in cars is I love sleepers. I love cars that don't look like anything special, but they really work. Right. And I've actually penciled this project out. I may someday uh, build this car. So if I were a car, I would be a rust bucket Ford Falcon body. Okay. That sits on top of a tube chassis, race chassis with modern running gear and a Coyote V8, which is a fabulous overhead cam V8 engine Ford still builds. Yeah. And the thing would look like a mess, and it would go like mad, <laughs> and I, and I would drive it. I would I would that's a car I would drive. Bit of a rat
0: rod, I think we're
1: talking about here a little bit, right? Indeed, indeed. A rat rod, but um, but perhaps one that's a rat race rod. Let's call it that.
0: A rat race rod. I love it. Uh, you know, that's a very clever, unique answer. Uh, I don't know that I've heard something like that. So uh, there you go. You get surprised every day with that question. It's a unique question, and sometimes the answers are a little bit, well, okay, but that one was Very, very interesting. Nicely thought through, Charles. Well, we're entering what I call the last lap. You're a guy who's been on the track. You know what that means. The white flag's out, checker flag's in the distance. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask for you to give us some quick blips of the throttle of that rust bucket Ford Falcon body on a tube chassis Coyote V8 engine throttle. So here we go. That's a mouthful. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years?
1: Uh, the most important thing to me is to go out into the world with a sense of curiosity. Always have your eyes open and be looking for new things, new combinations of things.
0: Ah, Brilliant. How about if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be?
1: Well, I would have to say that um, being a gentleman myself, I am very interested in the gentleman's era of racing. So that person would be Graham Hill. Oh, wow who was also a rower. He was an expert rower and he was truly a gentleman, both on and off the track, everything I've read about him. And so that would be my choice. I didn't know he was a rower. Very
0: fascinating. Yeah, that would be uh, be excellent. How about the best automotive advice someone else has given to you?
1: Well, it's similar to the same advice I would give anybody else. And that is learn how to do it on the racetrack. <laughs> Get out there. If you want to drive fast, do it on a track. Take an HPD course. Uh, participate in track days, but do it in that environment. And um, for me, what that has um, evolved into, or I could say, um, is that I haven't had a speeding ticket or any traffic ticket in over 20 years. There you go. I do it all on the racetrack and, and you really learn how to drive. Uh, yeah. So great advice there. How about a resource? There are a couple of
0: shout-outs you'd like to give here to uh, people that are go-tos for you.
1: Well, again, here in the Pacific Northwest, we are we are blessed and spoiled. If you're a Porsche fan, especially a racing Porsche fan, there is a shop out in Sherwood, Oregon, called Roth Sport Racing. And it's run by Jeff Gamroth, who is a just unlimited fount of wisdom and knowledge in terms of Porsches. And he's been very generous with that help. With me, and I buy as much as I can afford to from him. And, um, and then I pick his brain when I, when I hit the wall and need, need expert advice. So I would definitely say call Jeff if you're a Porsche person. And then there's another shop here in Portland um, that's run by a good friend, Don Gibson, Gibson Auto and Electric. And uh, he is a racer. He was a stock car racer and nowadays runs in the gas series, uh, which is a stock, great American stock car series racing. And uh, he's a good friend and we've collaborated on projects. I'm building a, um, a truck bed for a, a rat rod style truck project he's got going right now. Uh-huh. And terrific guy, terrific shop. Um, as honest as the day is long, he and his wife, Joan, run the business together. And uh, I just can't say enough good things about Don. He's he's a true friend and a, and a wonderful man.
0: Well, you're going to have to make some introductions for me so that I can have both Don and Jeff as guests here on the show. They sound like I have, I'm familiar with Rothsport, of course, being a Porsche guy. So, uh, yeah, maybe you could make some email introductions and I could get them on the show. That would be great. I'd be happy
1: to. Fantastic. How about a book, Charles? Is there a book you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, the one of the books that I got as a teenager and still have and practically wore out was called is called The Great Cars, and it was written by Ralph Stein. And it is a wonderful coffee table picture book, and it has a lot of the classic cars of the, uh, oh, the 1920s and earlier in some cases. And that was probably one of my inspirations. Uh, it, it interestingly does not have Porsches in it, but it's got Bugattis and, and Duesenbergs and, and some of the early, early classic Alfa Romeos in it. And that was perhaps one of the ones that set me on my automotive path. I've
0: got that book in my library. It was a gift from, I think, a grandparent perhaps, or maybe my parents. I can't remember. It's been a long time. So uh, yeah, great book. I'll make sure I put a list and a link to that book. Perhaps you can still find it out there in some places. I, is it still in print? Do you know?
1: I couldn't tell you. I honestly don't know.
0: Probably not, but I tell you what, you can find a lot of great books out there on eBay that people are selling all the time or used bookstores. There's a lot of them across the country that you can find online. I'll make sure to put a link to the title and author of that book, Ralph Stein, on Charles' show notes page. There's a great place in the Cars website called Guest Recommended Books, where over 1,600 books are listed by my inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and I've made them all easy to acquire through quick clicks. And of course, I've had hundreds of authors of fantastic books. I do book giveaways all the time here. So if you're a new listener and you've not subscribed to Carjag, go there, hit the free book button. You'll get my free ebook called Filler Up. It's an email book, so uh, you'll get your hands on that as well. Awesome. All right, Charles, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you a car today a collector car something fun but there are some rules to my game since i'm writing the check today it's the only car you can have as far as a collector fun car you have to drive it and enjoy it i want you to make sure there's no garage queens parked down there in your home uh and you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with or fund your racing habit uh, because that habit can be pricey so what can i buy you today charles
1: well as a porsche fan uh you probably have heard this before. Um, everybody wants the big one. Everybody wants a nine seventeen. <laughs> well, yeah. at my age and experience, that car would just terrify me. Sure. Uh, so. I think I would dial that back, and my dream car would be uh, the 1970s-era Porsche RSR. Oh. Uh, There was a whole pack of them that came to this country. Uh, Roger Penske, I believe, brought in a bunch and had a whole racing series around them. But that basic-era car, that early 70s, they had the three-liter sand aluminum cast engine blocks with a slide valve MFI. Wonderful car, a full-race car that you could ostensibly stick a muffler on it and a license plate and drive it to the track yeah oh my (laughs) that would be my car and i would drive it yeah international
0: i rock international race of champions of course uh those cars and uh 73 those cars came out uh so you picked the right one now let me ask you this so that i bring you the right rsr which one do you want what color because they came in those marvelous early 70s colors what would you like
1: Oh, probably the fluorescent uh, yellow-green one or something that's loud and proud. (laughs) Loud and proud. Well, how about if we go
0: with Viper Green? I think that's a good one for you. Um, One of my favorite colors. You picked the right one, Charles. Well, you've taken us on a great ride today. This has been fantastic getting to know you better. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey. Could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off down the coast highway there in that beautiful RSR uh, Porsche?
1: Well, I suppose I could close with one last quote. This one would come from the Revolutionary War activist Thomas Paine, and uh, has been used quite a bit, and it basically goes, lead, follow, or get out of the way. <laughs> I love it. That'd be a good one for the racetrack, and I, and I hope he, he said it a little bit tongue-in-cheek at least, um, yeah. but uh, th- that would be my advice.
0: I love it. I love that quote. What's the best way for people to learn more about you and your magnificent, beautiful, fine woodworking?
1: Well, you can find me at charlesfreeborn.com and where you will also find links to my various uh, social media channels, Instagram and so forth. Being an older guy, I'm not too up on that, but there is some things there to look at. But uh, the website is constantly evolving as I bring new products to market and so forth. So check in and then check back because it's always changing.
0: Absolutely. I'll make sure to put a link to that on Charles' website. If you love finely crafted things, you're going to spend a little time on his website and look at what he has to do better yet. He'll make you something. So uh, that's pretty cool. He does have some things that you can ready-made buy, but you can order something and have him hand-make something bespoke for you. Uh, And I think it's something that you'll Fine, will be part of your family for life and go on to your generations beyond you. So, G- Charles, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your experiences. This has been a delight. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you
1: down the road. Thank you, Mark. I truly appreciate it. And I also want to give you a special thanks for keeping the passion alive during these difficult times we're all in.
0: Absolutely. And uh, again, a reminder to what we're dealing with here. Uh, We'll all get through this. Uh, Stay healthy, everybody. Remember to chase your passion. And uh, by the way, again, thank you for the beautiful box that you sent me. I will treasure it forever. And perhaps someday when I'm gone, my kids will smile when they open it. And there'll be a few little things from dad in there, just like the boxes I have from my dad. So thanks so much.
1: My pleasure. Take care.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Yeah!